Hello, and thank you for listening to the Vineyard Church Springbrook podcast of Vineyard Church right here in Alcoa, Tennessee. If you haven't already, you can check out our website for more information about our church or find our audio archive with all of our previous messages at www.vineyardchurch.us. You can also subscribe on Apple or Google Podcasts. Now, let's hear this week's message. So it says, as Jesus was walking along, he saw a man named Matthew sitting at his tax collector booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Matthew got up and followed him. Later, Matthew invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. But when the Pharisees saw this, they asked his disciples, why does your teacher eat with such scum? When Jesus heard this, he said, healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. Then he added, now go and learn the meaning of this scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. For I have come to call those, not those who think they are righteous, but those who know that they are sinners. This is the gospel of Christ. Thanks be to God. If you don't know me, my name is Chad Stewart. I am one of the associate pastors here at Vineyard Springbrook. And Lindsay today, she is gone. She is in New York. I believe she took Huck for her for the first time. So if you guys know little Huck, he's up in New York right now. I can only imagine that he started an underground casino that also functions as a church at this point. Like... He's dual talented and all that. And honestly, I'm not going to say I have a favorite Mizell kid, but I do. <laughs> and it's the one I always felt good. So the only thing I liked about being virtual and online is every morning uh, as we jump on, Huck would jump on and say, hi, Chad. And I'm like, man, somebody loves me. <laughs> and so I love Huck. And so uh, Lindsay's up there relaxing with her family in New York. And we're here today, we're a little bit more relaxed today, and I know in church, whenever we get less formal and relaxed, like there's sometimes this awkwardness that rises up in us, embrace it today, guys. Embrace the awkwardness, embrace the silence if there is some. Um, but also, I want to say about the neighborhood groups, um, it may sound like I know exactly where you live, and I'm going to tell you where you live, if you didn't already know where you live. Here's the deal, I have honestly no clue where most of you live. I just have a chart that says you guys live in said neighborhood. So if I'm wrong about um, where you live, if you actually live in Springbrook instead of Alcoa and I send out an email, let me know. Um, or you can just completely ignore me and show up to any group you want to. Um, you can also do that if you want to. Um, so, hey, we're going to jump back in today to our sermon series that we have been doing on neighboring. And if you guys haven't been with us, you guys need to check those out. Lindsay's done an amazing job of breaking this down for us. Um, Lindsay is amazing. As you guys notice, I did not use the story that she's used for the last five weeks because um, I don't know how any human can preach five different sermons from uh, one story um, constantly, but Lindsay can do that. I can't. Um, so I changed it up a tad bit, but um, this sermon series is foundational to what we are as a church and where we are going. Um, you have heard stories the past few weeks how Lindsay has entered into this in her neighborhood and places that she visit, uh, visits. Personally, for me, um, God started changing the way and how I see the church and how the church functions 
about 2019, um, as you guys know or may not know, we had a venue in Knoxville. We had a Knoxville church, and for the last six months, um, I took it over. And during that time, God just really started to speak to me. But the biggest thing that really got and really hurt my heart and was just gnawing at my soul is during the time we had been in Knoxville, the only people I really saw baptized, um, and there's nothing wrong with this, um, were kids that were either in our church that had come to know Jesus or people that uh, had been in church, thought they were Christians, but then had just an awakening of faith and come to know Jesus. Um, what gnawed at my soul is that we weren't having very many people who weren't associated with the church, who didn't know Jesus, come to know Jesus and get baptized in our church. And that gnawed at my soul. And then, um, as you guys know, 2020, COVID happened. In about May of 2020, when we were a few months into COVID pandemic and doing the online services, um, that kind of came back to me. And I felt that in this COVID moment, right, God's sovereign. He's over everything. God's not in heaven saying, oh, me, I don't know what to do about COVID. This is really putting a wrench into my plans, my kingdom going further, people coming to know me, people finding life in me. I'm, I'm really confused by this. I knew God was not doing that. And I've learned enough by now that in every moment, God hides a movement. We may not see it. We may not be able to hear it. The world may look like it's burning down. But God always hides movement in a moment. And so in my heart, it was, I believe God is hiding a movement in this moment. And I want to know what he's doing because I believe people are coming to faith right now. I just don't know how that's happening. Um, and this is just a side note. We're going to learn uh, a thing that our core groups will be doing, something that um, my group that has met since um, the start of 2020, we have leaned into these rhythms by um, this organization, this network called New Thing. And actually, New Thing in 2020, they planted more churches than they ever had. They planted 1,000 churches in 2020. And it's because these guys realized what God was doing. And we in the vineyard, we have this thing in which we say, we only want to do what we see our father doing, right? Um, we don't necessarily want to do our thing or the next great big thing, but we want to do what the father's doing. And so in my prayer time during that time, I was like, Jesus, I have no idea what I'm doing, and you know this about me. We've been walking together for about 10 years now. You know I have no clue what I'm doing. I'm just now admitting that. Will you help me? And during just a moment of prayer and during a webinar class I was doing with a vineyard pastor in Anaheim, Alan Scott, God, God told me, I want you to go to the MLK Center. I just want you to go down there. And if you guys know me, I mean, look at me. I'm not the kind of guy that's probably comfortable showing up at the MLK Center. I have this straggly beard. I have a saved head. Um, I'm probably the whitest person in this room by far in how I act and how I care, carry myself. But God just said, hey, I want you to go down there. And so I went down there. I, I actually called and was like, hey, Miss Lily, do you mind if I come in and speak to you? And she's like, yeah, sir, come on in. And I go sit down, and we just talk. I don't talk about how I can serve her, about what our church can do. Here's everything that we can offer you. We want to forward racial justice in our community, nothing like that. But I just sat down, and I was like, what are your dreams? And then back to me. She goes, well, what are your dreams for this community? I'm like, 
I don't know. I've only been here for like six months. I'm trying to figure out what's, what, what are your dreams because you've been here since you were a kid. And then in the midst of that, I learned Miss Lily and who works with her, a lady named Donna. I learned their dreams. I learned their kids' names. I learned their hopes. I learned their problems. And in return, they learned my hopes and my problems. Um, um, she was one of the first people I talked to about some of the miscarriages and some of the pain me and my wife had been going through in 2020. And we just started sharing life. Um, we shared our concerns, hopes, and dreams. And in doing those, opportunities arise up. Opportunities to serve, opportunities to love our community with them just rose up. And those are the opportunities we're talking about. We want to neighbor. We want to be this presence in our community. That's not saying we have all the answers, but it's just saying, hey, can we walk together? Can we love you? Can we help you love others? And you might describe this neighboring series as evangelism, discipleship, um, or you might describe me as going to the MLK Center as some type of social justice. Um, but I mainly see it as a ministry of accessibility. We are learning to make ourselves accessible so that others can benefit and encounter what we have, like love, community, but most importantly, God. But it's the value of being accessible which I think is the key for us loving God, but also loving our neighbors. I would say most of us here are pro-social justice and outreach. I would say most of us want people to know and walk with God. I, I mean, we are pro-extending the gospel to the ends of the earth. I don't think anyone would be like, nah, not me, bro. I don't want any of that. I think everyone would be like, yes, I'm about that. But are we making that accessible? others. And that's the key, making ourselves accessible to God and our neighbor. Uh, and Jesus described himself as a gate, right? Uh, a fence keeps people out, but a gate makes things accessible. And that's what Jesus was doing. If you ask me, how, how did we start going to the MLK Center and doing stuff? Um, I just went over to Miss Lily's office every week, every, every other week, and I hung out. And I waited for an opportunity to happen. And there's this saying, my favorite podcast pastor, I quote him all the time. His name is Jordan Sang. He has this quote he always gives to his church. It says, ministry is 80% just hanging out, waiting for something to happen. Right? That sounds simple. It's just 80% hanging out and waiting for an opportunity to happen. Now, the origins of the phrase hang out, I find this interesting. You may find this stupid, but... I'm going to tell you anyways. Um, so it happened, it came from the 1400s when shopkeepers would open up their business. And when they opened up their business, they would hang out a shingle, like a one that you hang on your roof. Um, um, and what that meant was um, that they were, in our terms, it meant that they were open for business. It means that um, the services that they were providing were accessible. And so back in their vernacular, it was like, hey, where does so-and-so hang out, right? That's what they use, and that's how that term came, came to be formed, because they hung out a single. And I believe hanging out is at the core of Jesus' mission to change the world. I just believe this. Specifically, though, I believe it is 
It is the method from Scripture that he models for his disciples and for us. How did Jesus fulfill his mission? He hung out. Like, he just showed up. He hung out. He made himself accessible. He carried the love and knowledge of the Father and the power of the Holy Spirit everywhere he went. Our scripture today that Jamie read comes from Matthew 9. Um, It is one of my favorite stories from the life of Jesus because of how inappropriate or accessible Jesus showed himself to be. Culturally, this story is very offensive to religious people, but also to political people, too. Um, Because Matthew, being a tax collector, being an oppressor of the nation of Israel, his own people. And as church kids, you know that tax collectors were hated by them. Um, if you are a church kid, they were extortioners. They, weighed their, they made their money by a Roman taxation. They would go and collect taxes, but they wouldn't go and collect the right amount of tax. They would up it. And so they would line their pockets and take the profits from that. And the Jewish people knew that, and they hated tax collectors totally. They were traitors. They were marginalizing their own people. And in this story, we see Jesus calling Matthew this traitor, this tax collector of his, uh, this tax collector of his nation, and tells, asks him to follow him, which Matthew does, which was a smart move by him. So basically, Jesus went to Matthew's hangout and found him. Right? Matthew has, had probably been around the clouds, uh, the crowds peeking in and hearing to Jesus, and Jesus is like, I know where Matthew hangs out. I'm just going to go show up there and talk with him. I'm going to ask him to follow me. And then after that, they went over to Matthew's house, or in my vernacular in the early 2000s, they went over to Matthew's crib. Um, And at Matthew's crib, um, there gathered a group of disreputable people, Um, uh, people that um, if you were a good person, you probably wouldn't want to hang out with, Um, tax collectors, abusers of power, sinners, people who made their living in dishonest ways. Loose men, loose women most likely. I'm sure they had their entourages around them per se. And one of the things I love about the story of Matthew, his real name is Levi. And that gives us some um, context to his background. That here's from the tribe of Levi. And from the tribe of Levi came priests. And so these kids were groomed to grow up and to become these priests. And it's, it's a theory, but I love the theory. Um, it's that Matthew was raised to become a priest, but no one wanted to mentor him. He wasn't good enough to be mentored by any other religious order, so he gave up, became a tax collector, and then this guy Jesus comes along and says, I'll mentor you. Follow me. And I love that, because that's, that's exactly what Jesus would do. It's what he did with me. And so in this, the religious get extremely upset, and they ask the question, why does your teacher eat with such scum? Now, the message says it, says it this way. It says, what kind of example is this from your teacher acting cozy with crooks and misfits? I like that, and I love the message Bible because Eugene gets sassy sometimes with how he likes to phrase stuff. Um, I just love it. But the religious people were offended by what Jesus was doing, and so... Jesus responds in a famous line in verse 12 when he says, When Jesus heard this, he said, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I'm basically saying, If I'm going to accomplish God's purposes on earth, if I have to make, my, I have to make myself accessible to everyone, 
This isn't about making righteous people righteous, um, but making lost people found, making people in bondage to lies and sin free in order to find their purpose in this world and in their life. That is what Jesus is basically saying here. Jesus, in that line, basically defines his whole mission. I came precisely to do this, to make sick people well. And a question that I have for you, for you guys real quick, if you were in that crowd, you heard Jesus say, hey, this is my mission, and this is why I'm here, and then you looked at Jesus, and then you moved your eyes to the people and to the crowd around Jesus, what would you think about his mission? Right? Would it seem scandalous? Would you have, like, how would you have described it to yourself? Obviously, Jesus was not alarming because these people gathered around him. Obviously, he didn't scare them off. So Jesus was literally just hanging out with people. And so you say, Jesus, you came to party with scum and sinners. You came to be cozy with crooks and misfits. Think of the people you secretly despise that you probably wouldn't want to hang around. Jesus, that's what your ministry and your mission is about. Jesus came, guys, to make himself accessible and everything in his kingdom accessible to everyone, especially to the outcasts and misfits. And then Jesus answers back again with a religious line from the Old Testament, which I love. He says, now go and learn the meaning of the scripture. I want you to show mercy, not offer sacrifices. And the religious would have known what this meant. It's not about sacrificing to God. It's about loving God. It's about showing mercy. It's not about your tremendous worship services, your religious rituals, but it's about mercy. That's the missing. That's the main point, and it has been since the beginning. You don't need religious disciplines and duties to make a way to God. God has already made a way to you. The religious viewed God as not being accessible, especially to the crowd that Jesus was with. In fact, um, the religious back then and even today tell a story of a God who seems distant. Sometimes I believe in a God who seems distant. Sometimes I feel as if there's a God who seems distant. But as we see in the life of Jesus, that's just a false idea and it's not true. The religious are usually deceived by this idea and miss God. Seen all throughout the Old Testament, Jesus was right there in front of them, God in the flesh, and they didn't know it. Because to them, God was far and distant and not accessible. Um, I hope you don't get offended by this, but look at the cross. Um, it is preached most often as the crux of our faith. God hanging on the cross is a sacrifice. As we sometimes forget, but we sometimes forget what Jesus hanging on the cross actually meant. It was God's ultimate hanging out of a single. Him saying, I'm accessible. I'm open for business. I have made a way to you. You don't need to make a way to me. I have made a way to you. God is easy to find. Now, he may be hard to follow. I'm going to be honest. He's easy to find. He's accessible. But he may be hard to follow. But that doesn't change that he makes himself accessible. And before we end here today, I want to show you something real quick. Because I think for the most part, you guys are hearing um, the past few weeks the heart behind this, right? You guys are hearing the heart about why we should love our neighbor. And I don't think that's a new message for most of you people who were raised in church, right? 
you know you should love your neighbor, but um, I kind of liken it to me as if I go fishing. Um, let me say this, I'm not great at fishing, so if I catch a fish, I am so surprised, but once I catch the fish, I'm like, what do I do now? Like, I have no clue what I'm doing at all. In fact, I think one time I was around people I thought who knew to do something. Um, guys that you guys know, they go to our church. Kyle, Nick Kessler, uh, Daniel Mizell, and we're all sur- surrounded at um, Kyle's home with a neighbor that brought a fish over. And he's like, guys, how do you uh, cut this fish? And all of us are looking like, oh, we don't know. And so the kid pulls up YouTube and starts doing it, and he's amazing. We had no clue what to do with it. And so I don't think uh, the question or the difficulty is, why should we do this? I think the difficulty is how, right? How do we do this? And so I want to give you something that New Thane has done. It's been something that me and my core group has leaned in since uh, the first of this past year. And let me say this. I'm a practitioner of this. I make it intentional, but I am not a pro at this. And I'm going to say a small little tidbit about this today, but there's so much more to talk about. And there's a book about it called Bless, B-L-E-S-S, Five Ways to Love Your Neighbors. You can get in and check it out. And so it's an acronym called BLESS. I believe we have a slide for it. And so first, and take a picture of this, write this down. These are, guys, this is a tool belt that will really, really help you guys. It has really helped me. The first thing we do is we begin in prayer. Um, we intention, and what we do is, I have a list of people in my sphere of my neighborhood. Um, I think in May, I started going to CrossFit. So uh, as I'm interacting with people at CrossFit, there's a list of people I have there that I just feel led to pray for. Um, So I have people from CrossFit. Um, I have people in my everyday life in the grocery stores I go into. I try to pick the same person every single time and talk to them. I am um, terribly intentional about this. And I know these people's names, and I write them down, and I pray for them. And I ask God, how do you want me to make myself accessible to them? As I'm driving to the CrossFit gym that I know that one person may be there. Or I'm driving to my neighbor or I'm walking in my neighborhood. I'm asking God, how do I love this person? And then I'm looking for ways. Um, I have seen God answer these prayers. Like um, in the middle of the day, um, I'm praying and the lights in my house go completely out. The whole neighborhood is closed down. We haven't made any lead way in about five months to getting to know our neighbors like everyone stays inside of their home. And so I'm out walking around since there's nothing else to do. Um, and everyone's outside. And there's this guy that's like, hey, is your electricity on? No. And he's like, come over me. We're going to this guy's backyard. This guy knows everyone. And so I walk outside. This guy is introducing to me to everyone in the neighborhood, all of his relationships, and like I'm clueless to that moment. I'm like, oh, hey, and guys, here's the truth. I'm an introvert. I love to be quiet too. Uh, What Lindsay talked about last week, I would love to have every excuse to not engage, um, but I'm doing it, and as I'm doing this, I'm like, wait, I was praying about this. I was praying about wanting to get to know my neighbors, and I was upset that we hadn't made any leadway. And I'm like, Jesus, thank you. Um, I got to know my next-door neighbor's favorite beer and his football team that he loves. Um, um, My wife got made fun of for being a Georgia Bulldog fan. It was fantastic. (laughs) Fruit everywhere, guys. Um, No, the neighborhood is the long game. I, I, I will let you know that. 
engaging with your neighbors is a long game, but you have to be intentional and keep to it. But if you have an affinity, a cause, a place where people like together, that's faster. Um, that's much faster because people are more engaged in a relationship. And so that's just a tidbit from me learning. Uh, the second thing, listen. We intentionally listen to what people talk about because people will always talk about what's important to them. If you get someone talking, they're not going to talk about things that are unimportant to them. People are naturally going to start talking about things that, are, that, that, that they value if you listen long enough. Instead of trying to convert people, we just listen to people. We listen to conversations, and we engage in conversations. As an introvert, I usually look for a group conversation that's going on, and I'm like, ah, cool. I'm just going to hang out right here, and I'll engage back and forth in whatever they're talking about. I look for conversations already happening, and I go towards it every single time. And guys, and here's the truth. Listening is one of the best ways to love people because it means they're valued, and people want to talk. They want to talk about what's important to them. And they feel loved whenever you just listen. It's so important. The next one is my favorite, eat. Uh, this, of course, is my favorite. Um, I love food, but people build relationship over food. Um, usually, whenever I practice these rhythms, I'm intentional about which one I'm going to practice this week or that week. And if it's eat, I ask one person to go out to eat with me. Or uh, back in my secular job, I, used to, I made this day called uh, Chicken Sandwich Tuesdays, in which I would go get a chicken sandwich from Barley's, and everyone would join me, and we would all would sit around the table and talk. And I was working with a guy who was a bartender at night, people who were Buddhist and all these things, but they loved chicken san- sandwiches, and they loved Tuesdays. So hey, chicken sandwich Tuesdays, I, I would go and eat with people and just get to know them. And they knew who I was, they knew who I was about, but um, I just engaged them like I would a normal person. The next one, serve or be served. I think that's important. In their five ways, they only put serve there. I added be served because it's important. If you listen and eat with people, they will tell you what they love. Um, Not only that, they will give you hints of how you can bless them. They will give you hints of how you can serve them. They will give you hints of what gifts or if there's a pain or problem in their lives, you can speak into it and you can help them. And so you serve them. But what's greater, what will disarm people the most, especially people that don't know Jesus, is that you allow them to serve you. Um, I do this by asking my neighbors who don't know Jesus for help, asking if I can use something. Because Christians are not seen that way. They have the answers, and they're going to tell you the answers. They're coming to save you. When we need a lot of rescuing ourselves. And so allowing yourself to be served by your neighbors and by people, it takes humility. It takes taking a chance, but it disarms people, and it makes people feel like you're a normal person. So allow people to serve you. And lastly, share. Share your story. Whenever you're eating with people, whenever you're listening to people, whenever you're engaging people in conversation, at that point in time, there's going to come a point when people start learning what's important to you and what you're about. And this is the deal, guys. There was a chart taken that says 79% of people that don't believe in Jesus, that have engaged in friendships and become friends with Christians, have no problem hearing about their faith. Once 
they trust them once they become a friend. And we're not playing this game of, I'm trying to Jesus juke you, I'm going to become your friend, convert you, and say peace. No, we're loving people. We're loving people because they're made in the image of God, and they should be blessed. We should love them. We should engage them. They should be our friends. We should invite them into our spaces. We should get cozy with crooks and misfits. Because I don't know about you, but I could look at a few of us in here and be like, Brad, dude, you're a misfit. <laughs> I'm definitely Johnny. Johnny is definitely a misfit. Um, but no, because honestly, if we look around in our room, Jesus got cozy with a bunch of crooks and misfits, right? And he loved us, and he redeemed us. And so that's what we do. So in the midst of all of that, we get the opportunity, uh, opportunity to share our story. And then after that, we still live out listening, we still live out eating, we still live out beginning in prayer, and we still live out serving, being served. And these are intentional ways every week I enter into this. And it's a toolkit that I have that I hope that you use because I think it will help you. Um, when I started this, it was literally I walk outside my house and be like, all right, I'm here. I'm going to walk down the street and talk to people or I'm going to show up to places um, and just hope for the best. But this actually gave me a toolkit to where I could start reaching out to people and actually feel like I know what I'm doing. So I hope it blesses you. So Brad can go ahead and come on up. We're going to end here and say a lot this day for this. Thank you guys for uh, sticking with me and paying attention. I appreciate it. So the first question I want to ask you today, if someone needed to find God through you, because let's face it, Jesus has this crazy partnership. Instead of doing things himself, which would be perfect, he chooses to use us. And so... The question I have is, if someone needed to find God today through you, where would they find you? Second question I have, do you make yourself accessible in those areas? Are you open for business, or are you just doing your job? Are you open for business, or are you on your lunch break, and you're to yourself? Now, I'm not saying you have to completely open up your life in, in, in every way, but do you make yourself accessible in the places you live, work, learn, and play? Because accessibility, hanging out, is 80% ministry. Um, one of the crazy ways I've done this, we bought a smoker, and so our road opens up to the side of our house instead of putting the smoker in the back of our house it's right there in our driveway I roll that thing out it's smoking up the na neighborhood and I'm surprised by how many people are like hey what you cooking there or hey I've got one of those I tried to smoke things can you help me out and I'm like bro everything I have is dried out you don't want to learn from me I'm still trying to figure this out and don't worry I will invite all you guys over once I figure this out but it's not right now at all um and so I just look for easy ways to be accessible. And guys, more importantly than that, um, God's accessible for you today. If there's anything you bring that has you burdened, there's anything you bring that has you um, just underweight, God is always accessible.